You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. It's Celtics coverage on clnsradio.com. Right now and share your thoughts toll free three four seven two one five seven 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 one. Hello and welcome to another episode of the CLNS Media Celtics Post Game Show. I am Taylor McLeod alongside my co-host Joel Pavone. And we'll be here for the next 30 minutes breaking down that 118-106 Celtics victory over the Portland Trailblazers. And you know what? I said it. I said it to start the season. I said it a couple times throughout the season that Jason Tatum would be the best player on this team by the end of the season. And after tonight's 36-point performance, Joel, I think it's safe to say that he, he's taken the throne as, as the Celtics' best player. What, what do you think? Apologize again for those technical difficulties. Again, the Celtics win tonight 118-106 over the Portland Trailblazers. And like I said to start off the show before we you know, had that little break, uh, Jason Tatum at this point to me is the best player on the team. Um, we've got Bobby Manning uh, in, in here with me at this point. Bob, me and you started off the season and even preseason a couple of shows we did talking about who would be the best player on this team. Um, I was pretty steadfast that it would be either – one of the young guys, but I was always kind of leaning Tatum. And at this point, you know, 36 points tonight after, you know, stringing together a bunch of really good games, obviously made the all-star game. Are you on the same page with me at this point, or are you still feeling Kemba? I don't have a great case, do I, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is just absurd what he's doing right now. The last two games, we're seeing the potential that he has to become – and now we can honestly throw this out there. It says upside. This guy has Kevin Durant in him. I mean, this is the kind of impact that he's had the last two games as a Kevin Durant-level impact player. He's so long. He impacts the game at such a high level on both ends of the floor. Two blocks in this one, the steals and blocks that he had against the Lakers. He's the centerpiece for one of the best defenses in the league. And that's before we even get to his offense, which has just been astronomical the last – you know, a couple of weeks, we're now talking 17 games and 20 where he's had at least 20 points. Um, he goes out and makes a steal in two blocks against the Lakers, 12 to 20 in that game. The ridiculous uh, shots that he made throughout that second and third quarter in that game. What he honestly has to face next and, you know, why it's almost kind of silly that we have this conversation. I know I shouldn't be calling it silly because I started this conversation earlier in the year. But they'll need both Kemba and Tatum playing at a high level because we saw against the Lakers what's going to happen when Tatum's rolling at this level. He's going to get blitzed. He's never been blitzed in his career to the degree that he has the last few games, and he's going to have to adjust to that. And Kemba being out there and making shots off him will be a massive resource for Stevens and the Celtics to use when Tatum is getting blitzed to that degree. Um 
in conclusion, you're right. We'll play the sound next next post game. I don't have it available tonight, but we'll play that uh, tomorrow night just so you can get your credit because we know if our friend Nick Sacento uh, said something, he'd be pulling up that audio and throwing it on the air. So we might as well uh, give you your due. Not the hottest take in the world, but a successful one nonetheless. I don't think it was the hottest take in the world. I just think coming into this season after some Celtics fans were disappointed with Tatum's second year that I, I thought it was pretty clear that especially early on this season, even though he was, he was missing a couple, a lot, not even a couple, he wasn't finishing around the rim that well. It was clear to me he was getting to the rim much easier and making much better decisions than he had, you know, last year, obviously his rookie year was, you know, everyone was so excited. And then last year you have the issue with the long twos this year. It's, we've seemed to complete. goes and hits eight threes like I said 36 points eight threes is a career high and that step back three at this point Scal said it on the broadcast um it doesn't even seem like it's going to miss at this point I mean I have the utmost confidence in this guy you're seeing a a 21 year old player who who really grew into his body I think getting that all-star nod he talked about it in a couple interviews really gave him a lot of a lot more confidence a sense that I mean, this this league's his his for the taking at this point. Obviously, it's young. He's real young this season. You know, we're we're a little over halfway through this season. I don't want to say the league's for his for the taking, but the way he's playing is a superstar level, and I, I don't see any reason that it's not sustainable. It's not like he he's doing things that are outside his capabilities, outside of the realm of what we've seen him doing consistently. So, again, good win for the Celtics tonight. Kind of a weird game, sloppy game to begin with. Marcus Smart starts, probably chucks up a couple shots. He shouldn't have. Gordon Hayward, only 12 points, but on a night where Tatum puts up 36, Jalen Brown puts up 24, that's the future. That's what that's what you want to see in, in, in games like these where even though the Blazers are without Dame and they haven't had the best season, they're still a, they're still a tested team with guys who can go get buckets. And CJ, with, you know, Started to heat up. CJ McCollum started to heat up right there in the fourth quarter. They put Tatum back in. He kind of quiets it again. So stuff like that makes me real confident moving forward. And I was talking about it with a couple people. Uh, where where do you see the Celtics in the landscape of the NBA? Because obviously they lose to the Lakers on Sunday. They beat the Clippers right before the All-Star break. So we've seen how they stack up against some of the better teams in the league. I think they're they're a top five team. I think they probably round out the top five teams in the NBA. Where are you on the Celtics in terms of you know the entire league, Bob? So there's two contrasting things with them. The bench play is poor, and it seems to be getting worse, which is a bad development. Now that we're in the 2020, it doesn't look like there's going to be much of a way for them to improve themselves on that end. And then again here in a game where it looked like Ennis Cantor would have a nice chance to bounce back and get some good looks and provide this team a little bit of scoring, he was a nothing again. Like Something is very wrong with him, uh, talking all the way back to his injury. And Brad wanted to make a good game in this one. I love his effort. I love his positioning. As Sean Grandy was talking about how he leads the entire NBA in free throw shooting, which is another positive note on him. And they have a couple guys who – you know, position well out there. Like, Romeo Langford plays good defense. Brad's given him Javante Green's minutes because of that. But the guy can't score. 
like period right now. He got robbed with that goaltending call against the Lakers, but they don't have any bench scoring whatsoever. So while I say their wing depth and the scoring that they have across their top four wing guys makes them a near impossible matchup for opponents, there's a bench rotation that they're going to have to get into a little bit in the postseason that makes it really hard to believe in them being able to compete when their bench units are in. Like Grant Williams, really rough game. I gave him a lot of credit after the Minnesota game for how he filled in and the Clippers game before the break. Like He was a big reason that they closed that game, so that was a positive development. But this one, again, no points, four fouls, little tangible impact. They just got nothing from their bench outside Wanamaker again in this one, and they can overcome that. This is going to be the perfect opportunity for Stevens to run his tightest rotation ever come playoff time. But you still do need one or two guys who can step in and fill in in that capacity. And that's what separates them and the Bucks now. We can look at the standings and see the games that separate those two and see how sizable of a difference there is between them and the Bucks. But it's evident when you look at those two teams' bench units and one to eight, one to ten, how much impact they have. The Celtics are really only a team that's one to six right now, and Kemba Walker's missing, and that's something we have to keep an eye on because if he has concerns that are more long term, the Celtics haven't said that it's a long term thing, and they've made it clear that they don't see it becoming that. But if this knee continues to persist. And we have something like, I hate Dan Greenberg saying this, but it was maybe a worthy comparison. If this is something like KG09 with the knee that's going on right now with him, because we've seen this persisting now back to the beginning of January, this team's really in trouble because they don't have the depth to sustain a loss like that at the point guard position. Are they? I think they're as um, well-positioned as anyone to sustain a loss on the wing because Marcus Smart can come in and just fill in that spot offensively and defensively. But point guard, they don't have the depth. I don't know if Wanamaker is going to be an impact player come the postseason. And then after him, you know, Tremont Waters can't even play in the playoffs. Um, Carson Edwards has been a zero this year. Lankford, almost a zero. They just don't have depth at that position. If they're missing him for the foreseeable future, they can get by now in the regular season, but he needs to be right come postseason. So that's where I'm at. I mean, their top six rotation is as good as anybody in the NBA. If those guys are all rolling come playoff time, they have a chance to make it to the finals. But it's 100% dependent on that because I don't see anybody stepping up on the bench. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I obviously think that when Kemba returns, and like you said, there's, there's real reason to be uh, worried about that knee. When Kemba returns, obviously Smart goes back to the bench. Your bench, your bench unit gets considerably better when you put Marcus Smart back there. But y- you're not wrong. I mean, once you get past Kemba, assuming that Smart's not going to play a traditional point backup point guard role, you're absolutely right in saying that Wanamaker and Carson Edwards and even Romeo. I don't have the the utmost confidence in that trio, especially in the playoffs. Looking at Milwaukee, a team that's so deep in terms of talent, but also so deep in terms of, like, experience. Joel, I think we have Joel back in now. I'm pretty sure we, you know, worked out these technical difficulties. Bobby and I were talking about, you know, where the Celtics fit in the landscape of the league. What what are your thoughts? Um, Are we talking about, like, 
getting to the finals or or just like yeah so I, I I said I think they're probably in my opinion they round out the top five teams in the NBA so I think you're looking at Milwaukee both LA teams I still think Toronto's up there just because you have to give them the respect because they are the defending champs obviously there's some conversation about Denver but in my opinion like I said you've got Milwaukee two LA teams Toronto and I think I think right now the Celtics round out that top five for me you know what? I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, I think those are the those are the five teams. I can't I, don't, I can't really put in. I think me and Bobby had a conversation um, on post game show. I think last week or the week before that um, there's a lot of these teams with great records, but I don't think they're. I think they're more pretenders than contenders. Like Miami, for example. I mean, they've kind of fallen off a little bit over the last couple of weeks. You know, out west between like the second and like the fifth seed is they constantly, you know, swapping all the time. You got, you know, the Rockets, I don't believe in the Rockets still, um, you know, Utah, you never know with Utah, but yeah, I think those five teams you mentioned, I think that's a, that I can agree with that list. You know, it's so interesting because we're talking about a landscape that if we're just looking at the numbers and everything else, there should be no doubt in anybody's mind that the Bucks are going to tear through everybody and, probably win it all this year like the only thing that's keeping people from thinking that is what happened last year and things have changed a lot from last year so when we talk about like a top five as taylor brought up no and you know joel i have reservations about them too but Mm. if we're just going off what we've seen so far 50 and 8 like that's all we really have to go off right now and they have put themselves in a league of their own so it's so interesting because i think boston can definitively be the number two team in the east and put themselves above anybody else in the East. But then there's still that gap they have to overcome with Milwaukee, where, you know, in the West, I think the West is going to be a little bit of a bloodbath. Like, there's going to be some crazy things happening out there because everybody's just so even. In the East, I think the Celtics have put themselves in a league of their own for number two, even though, yeah, i got to give Toronto credit, and they still are the two seed. I think the Celtics are better. Um, The one seed is just so hard to surmount. And that two seed such a crucial race because if you get that two, you avoid Milwaukee until the East Finals, which is going to be the crucial thing in the East. So right now there's two games between those two, the Raptors and Celtics. I think they have a game coming up in the near future, which is going to be key. And the Celtics can take that season series, get the tiebreaker. That's going to be critical. Yeah, March 20th they play the Raptors in Toronto. So that's a big one coming up after uh, the next 10 or so. You make a good point about Milwaukee, and the way Milwaukee runs through teams night in and night out is why I think, like, they are the best team in the NBA, and I don't even really have the reservations about last year because of that. Like, if they were if they were coasting to some of these wins, I'd feel differently, but it doesn't feel like they are. It feels like they're ready every single night and, and just dominate. Tonight. They went out tonight in a back-to-back against the Raptors, who you could probably call their biggest competition if we're just looking at the standings, and they smoked them. The Raptors were rested, they weren't, and they still smoked them, 108-97. Yeah, and in watching that game, the Raptors made a couple runs where, you know, their fans were really, really into it. You got Drake on the sideline going crazy, and you look up and you're like, oh, the Raptors, you know, they must be winning or, or real close, and it's like they're still down eight. You know what I mean? So, like, Milwaukee – Milwaukee just at this point they're they're suffocating their length their depth everything about them I think they're the best team in the NBA I think they have the best shot at winning winning the finals at this point but that's not to say that I I think the Celtics can't compete with them because it sounds crazy but 
when you have a player who's top 10 in MVP and playing like a top 10 player in the league, like Jason Tatum is, again, not saying he's going to go toe-to-toe with Giannis, not saying that at all. But when you have a guy like that, I think it instills a lot of confidence. And it's not like guys like Hayward and Brown haven't done it in the playoffs. Obviously, Kemba has something to prove. Obviously, some other guys have stuff to prove. But there's a real solid core that, that I really do believe in, especially especially because Brad has been in the playoffs so often. And it's not like, obviously, everyone looks at last year with you know, how that ended. But it's not like the Celtics haven't had playoff success under Brad. So there's a formula for success. And, you know, Jalen Brown just came out with a quote that says, you got to want your brother to have as much success as you have. And, and, and so there's no – it doesn't feel like there's any resentment for Tatum getting all these shots and Tatum getting all the shine and, and really catapulting past Brown, whereas last year there was an obvious tension between players and tension between, you know, who's taking the shots, how the offense runs. So I think the cohesion of this team combined with the just, you know, skyrocketing play of Tatum – gives them a real chance to, to really compete in the East and make some noise in the East. And I think you're right about Toronto. I think the Celtics are currently, I think they, they can beat the Raptors. I just have, I just give the Raptors respect because they're higher in the standings than they are the defending champs. And Nick nurse does an incredible job with that team. So that's where I stand. Um, I think that they're extremely, I think that'll be an interesting end of the season. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know what I really like about them? Is I can look at it from the other team's perspective, and if I was like a Lakers fan or something, and on Sunday we were, they were getting ready to play the Celtics, I would have been really worried about that game. And I, it, it turned out to be true. The Celtics gave them an unbelievable run, and that was the Lakers at full strength. No Kemba out there. They're, they've been able to sustain this Kemba loss fairly well, and they do it again tonight. They, they've handled injuries now for about two months, which is really a credit to them and their top six rotation, smart to build, fill in there. Their wing depth's insane. And I know I started the show on a negative note, but if you turn on the positive note on them, there really isn't a team in the NBA that has the wing rotation that they have. Even when you look at Milwaukee, like they have nice fill-in shooters and stuff but they don't have, like, three creators and three high-level scorers the way the Celtics do. They have two in Giannis and Middleton. So, at their height, if the Celtics get the best out of Tatum, Brown, and Hayward, which is what they get on a night like tonight, they're going to be unstoppable, even against the Bucks. So, it's going to be extremely hard when you get down to that point in the season, which I think a lot of people expect it to be, Bucks and Celtics, the last two remaining there. Um, it's going to be so hard to beat that team four times in a series. But the Celtics give themselves the best chance to do it if they have their rotations healthy and they have a tight rotation and uh, they have all three of those guys playing at a high level, which more often than not, I feel like they've had this year. Like, there aren't a lot of times where I feel like somebody's lagging. And when you just boil it down to Tatum and Brown, the stuff Tatum's been doing the last few weeks has been ridiculous. But Brown's right there with him, like 20 against the Lakers, 20 again here tonight playing insane defense. He's been able to, like, match Tatum's level of play in these games, even though Tatum's the one getting all the headlines, which is really encouraging because the perception last year and even this year a little bit is that all these wings can't play together. I see it as the opposite. These guys complement each other in such a great way, and it's the strength of this team. It's the only thing giving them a chance to go to the finals is how great of a wing rotation they've built. Yeah, 100%. And uh, 
you know, I want to talk about Hayward. I want to talk about Robert Williams a little bit and even a little bit about Jalen Brown. But first, let's get a word from HelloFresh. Tonight's episode of the Celtics Post Game Show on CLNS Media is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash CLNS80. And don't forget to enter the promo code CLNS80 at checkout. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit and a sponsor of the CLNS Media Celtics Post Game Show. Thanks, Joe Choquette there. It's been a while since we heard from Joe, but he's been a great host on this program, as has Joel this year. Joel, I don't know, did you get a new mic or something? Like, because you were sounding crystal clear. I heard you the other night. Like, you just, your voice has been heavenly on the air. Oh, well, thank you, bro. No, I actually, uh, <laughs> I actually been able to connect to, to the, uh, like, directly into the, using my computer instead of my phone, so. Well, I've, you must I've, have I've, some good Wi-Fi over there or something, because that's as good <laughs> as anyone found it on BTR. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking through my speakerphone right now, and uh, while I do that, I have to tell you about betonline.ag. Um, football is all done. Super Bowl is packed away. We'll see them uh, come September. But for now, we have basketball, hockey, golf. The Masters are coming up. And anything you can imagine is on betonline.ag that you want to bet on. They've been in the industry for 20 years. They're the masters at providing customers with the first to market odds and giving you the ability to bet anytime, anywhere. That includes uh, the Celtics who went into this game favorites. I'd imagine. I, I hope they'd be favorites because if they weren't, I'm mad I didn't bet on them in this one. Their line tonight was six and a half, so they cover in this one. Pretty easy one to look at and get the Celtics on. And if you go to betonline.ag, you can. Bet on the Celtics and other teams any night if you're feeling good about them. I often forget, but, you know, you can download the app, do whatever you need to to remind you when those lines come out. So head over to betonline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50. Your 50% welcome bonus. Put down 50. You'll get 25 back free to bet with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook expert. Taylor, I'll toss it back to you. You want to close it out with whatever you want to talk about there. Yeah, just two, two, really two quick points. Um, I would like to see, obviously, Hayward did what he had to tonight, but I, I would like to see Hayward be more assertive on nights like tonight, but that's not a huge concern of mine. The thing that I think Jalen has mastered the most this year is playing more like a two-guard and less like a wing. His shooting and the way he he gets the hit, that's why I'm thinking it works more. Because you have this guy who, you know, there there have been questions about him, especially his, his scoring ability. But seeing him really flourish as a guy who can go get 24 while Tatum gets 36 is so big for this team because the NBC put up a, a number tonight where I think the Celtics are either third or fourth in terms of how many points their starters score per game. But – Having a guy like Jalen who he doesn't do anything, and I say this a lot about a lot of things, but Jalen plays within a certain game when he used to be sort of out of control, but now he has an entirely different level of control, and he has he has the control of a scorer. And I think that's why you were seeing 
it work well because he can really play that two guard position, even though he he's you know built more like a three, and I think that's why it works. The other point I wanted to make is Robert Williams seems to be healthy, seems to be a little frustrated with the fact that he hasn't you know been cleared to come back yet. You know, end the show. Yeah. What are you two expecting from Rob Williams down the stretch after missing such a such a big you know such so much time? But the Celtics really do need that big. Obviously, they didn't make a deal at the deadline, which I was happy with. What are, what are you two expecting from Robert Williams when he comes back? Uh, I mean, hopefully... I'll go to Joel uh, first. My bad. <laughs> hopefully, a lot of the same from before, you know, his injury or, you know, when he started the season. Because if we remember cancer after the game of the season opener in Philly, he was out. And Robert Williams was... It was a... It was uh, Robert Williams and Daniel Tice that were running that five for the for for Brad Stevens, and he was coming into his own. I felt like I felt like he was uh, his his timing was so much better, especially uh, on the on the defensive end. Obviously, you know the lobs that's always a bonus, and and but his his deep, his, deep, his man-to-man defense, his man-to-man coverage had improved drastically from from last season, and I'm hoping a lot of that when he comes back. I mean, I mean, he's been out two and a half months. Hopefully, he hasn't lost a step or two. But um, in terms of having a long playoff, the Celtics looking to you know go deep into the playoffs. They're gonna need Robert Williams big time, especially you know as you spread into the uh, the the Bucks, hopefully in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and he's gonna give them something off the bench, which is more than they get right now. They're almost getting nothing off the bench. Just when you look at that big man spot, I've been a guy who's been deflecting the talk about, oh, the big men all year long, but now that Canner's falling off the map, they do need quite a bit of help there once Tice gets in the foul trouble because we see it again, Joel, this guy gets killed with the foul calls. Some of the stuff that he gets called on is just ridiculous, like Whiteside grabbing and pulling him down and the foul went on Tice. So this guy can't help himself when it comes to the fouls. Yeah. So you're going to need someone behind him to step in and give a change of pace. And Stevens has talked about it all year. When they have three centers, like they had at the beginning of the year, they have one for almost any situation. And Rod might fit more situations than anybody because he's able to match up with just about any, you know, size center and get out to the wings. Like you talked about, he did a much better job of that this year. The thing is, he's been out for so long, and he had such a tough injury it's going to take a while to feel that impact. So I'm on the patient side once he gets back. I think he's going to play Saturday. Yeah. Um, it's a very it's a very welcome addition. They should take him slow, make sure he's ready to go for the playoffs. thing is, this isn't a guy who's going to make or break what we talked about tonight, which is that um, upper level, do they make the finals, do they not make the finals. He might help win a game in the playoffs, which he'll certainly take. But uh, this is a guy who – this team has to look at for the future still. Like, he's still a developmental project. Uh, he's far from what he's going to be if he meets his potential. And he's he's going to be a key guy for them in a, probably two years. Once, you know, they're going to have Tice back next year. The year after is probably when you're going to look at Williams and say, all right, hopefully this guy can be our starter by that point. He looked good enough this early this season to maybe be starting by the end of the year, but that got completely derailed when he yeah. got injured and now he's just going to be working his way back. So I don't think it's, you know, people are making a big deal of it. And it's nice to get a big, uh, big guy back, especially a guy who was scoring a little bit on those lobs early on. So I'm not going to negate it and say he'll do nothing, but I definitely uh, stymie your expectations on him a little bit. Um, 
Taylor, we got you back now. Yeah, um, you know, on a night full of technical difficulties, I'm <laughs> glad the Celtics win. One six, what? One eighteen, one oh six, one sixteen, one oh eight. You know, I don't have it in front of me. Things have been going haywire. But for myself, one eighteen, one oh six, one eighteen, one oh six over the Trailblazers. Again, Celtics play the Jazz tomorrow night. Tune in, CLNS Celtics post game show. For Taylor McLeod, Joel Pavone, and Bobby Manning, peace.